Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. And we've been married 30 years and we lead the marriage team at Focus on the Family. I think today's topic is important to remember. We're talking about the spiritual battle that is surrounding your marriage, which honestly, I don't think we talk about enough. No, and we've seen this in our own marriage. Mm -hmm. I remember one time... I think you were out late with some girlfriends and and Mm -hmm. I was home with the kids and I was in the middle of writing a book called Fight Your Way to a Better Marriage. And it was just one of those nights the kids were terrible. They were bickering. I was refereeing a lot. (laughs) Your children? Yeah, your children (laughs) were horrible that night. You know, our youngest, Annie, she dropped something, you know, spilled something on our carpet and had laundry to do, dishes, all that. So it was just one of those nights. And I still had to to do some writing. And so finally get them all down. I'm exhausted. It's like 10 o'clock at night. So I finally settle in. I'm going, I'll just, if I can just stay awake for another hour, just got to do a little bit of writing. So I'm at our kitchen table, which has direct line of sight to the garage door. You come in. Mm-hmm. So you have this great kind of mom's night out with some girlfriends. You walk in and you happen to notice that there's dishes, dirty dishes in the sink. Mm-hmm. And so you just made the stupid little comments that you mm-hmm. didn't even mean anything by, but you just went, Ugh, what am I, the maid? And I remember you just then started doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. Well, that so bothered me. Like it pushed, triggered every button in my body. And I just, I became not enraged, but just stirred up Mm -hmm. sitting there at the table. Now, luckily I didn't say anything to you. Thank goodness. Yeah. Because in my, (laughs) but here's the spiritual warfare part of this. This is how I think the evil one works is that when, when we have hard situations with our spouse, we have a hard interaction or like that Mm -hmm. night, Mm -hmm. just this little conflict situation that I believe that he's like this perverted, disturbed, deranged stage director. So think Mm -hmm. about a a Broadway show Mm -hmm. and an actor who forgets their line always has someone who starts feeding them lines. That's what I feel like the enemy does. I think that's a part of the spiritual warfare because I sat there thinking, I can't believe her. She was out goofing off with her girlfriends and I was home with our children and they were terrible. And if she had looked to the right, she would have seen all the laundry that I'd folded, but (laughs) Oh no, she just looked at the dishes and, and that's all she cares about are her little dishes. And I don't matter. And she doesn't appreciate me. She never will. Like all that was going on Mm -hmm. in my mind Mm -hmm. as I was just sitting there behind my computer, staring at you, washing dishes. But what I appreciated is you asked. Yeah, I didn't. Like, was that comment meant for me? And I was like, no, the kids and I had this long conversation today about them really helping out because I knew I was going out. You had to write, you know, them doing the dishes and just helping out around the house in general. And so I was irritated at them. But it is so true that amidst those moments when we get triggered, our hearts close, that the enemy just sits. I always yeah. picture him just sitting on our shoulder, just whispering, see, he doesn't care. She he'll doesn't never care. Love you. He'll, yeah. he'll, It'll never change. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a part of that spiritual battle that we're going to face. And so mm-hmm. part of it is just that awareness of going, when, when I have really exaggerated thoughts about you, negative thoughts, mm-hmm. that that's probably 
the spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that's when I need to instantly go, God, I rebuke this and please fill me, Mm -hmm. flood me with truth about who Aaron is, who I am, about our marriage. And otherwise, it just... Satan does that in such a way that it sounds right. Mm-hmm. And it makes me go, yeah, she doesn't appreciate me. Yeah, maybe she'll never Well, and then we me. start looking for evidence right. of that over a longer term period, which eventually can close our hearts yeah. and cause our hearts to become calloused, which ultimately leads to disconnection, which is exactly what the enemy wants. Yeah, and that's why I'm excited about today's show. We're going to get into this because mm-hmm. this is a big deal. And like we said earlier, we don't talk about this enough. And we've got some great segments coming up. So later on, we're going to hear a powerful devotion on the importance of praying together. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how can he and his wife find ways to share where they are at within their spiritual lives? Mm -hmm. Because it sounds like for them, they're just struggling having sort of that conversation about where things are at spiritually for Mm. each other. But first, we had a great conversation with Jason and Tori Benham about how they learned that Satan was their real enemy in their marriage. They're authors, speakers, business owners, and we had a delightful conversation with Jason and Tori. Well, Jason, you guys mentioned in your book, and again, wonderful book, Beauty in Battle, Winning in Marriage by Waging a War. Love the book. Thank you so much for what you've done. But you mentioned um, in the book that the real enemy in marriage is Satan. So we'd love to talk about how how does that warfare really show up in marriage? Well, it's such a great question. And, and, you know, that tagline, Winning in Marriage by Waging a War, our goal is to help couples realize that you don't have to run from fights. Actually, you just need to embrace them, but then learn how to fight the right way. Mm-hmm. And the right way, Greg and Aaron, is to recognize that there's an enemy out there who wants you and your spouse to fight face-to-face rather than shoulder-to-shoulder against him. Mm-hmm. You know, I typically in our marriage seminars, I'll start out by asking kind of a trick question, and I'll ask the crowd, what's the very first sin? And a lot of people point toward you know, when when, uh, Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And then I remind them that there was a sin that happened before that. It's when Lucifer was in heaven and he wanted God's throne. Mm. And God obviously is like, can't have my throne. So there's this great battle that broke Mm. out in heaven. And then Lucifer and his uh, angels were cast out of heaven and they became Satan and the demons. And where did God put them? He put them on earth. And then at some point, at whatever on God's divine time frame, he created a man, and he put him in the exact same spot that he had thrown his banished enemy, right there on earth. You know, and and God had given Adam the authority over the earth, and that's the one thing that Satan wanted. So Satan was looking for a chance to pounce, but he didn't pounce until God brought Eve along. Mm -hmm. And when God brought Eve along, and, and God gave Adam Eve, because he knew that he needed that battle buddy so that he could remain victorious over Satan. And that's one of the paradoxes of marriage, Greg and Aaron, is that the the very institution that God created to defeat the devil, which is marriage, is also vulnerable to his attacks. And so Satan knew that he had to get them fight uh, operating independently of each other, and sure enough, he did it, and it worked. And then Satan, from that point forward, became the prince of the earth. And that's why the second Adam, Jesus, had to come along and fix up what the first Adam messed up, 
But the principle is that marriage was created within the context of a fight because Satan was there all along, and he was looking for a way to get them to fight against each other rather than shoulder to shoulder against him because he knew that where two or more are gathered, their God is in their midst, which means that the most organic form of church is marriage, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So Tori and I, we talk about this battle being a spiritual battle that we need to fight together, and when we fight it together, we draw together. And Jason, that's so what a powerful reminder, because as I think about marriage and what Satan is after, I always think that he's going after that oneness, this gift of marriage that God mm. gave us, that two shall become one, kind of that unity, that that oneness is a powerful thing. I mean, what wow. what what you and Tori can do, what Aaron and I can do together is far greater than anything that we could do on our own. So I just think he's always, that spiritual warfare is going to show up by him going after our oneness. And of course, the enemy hates marriage because God created marriage. And so he hates anything <clears throat> God created. And so right. it makes so much sense that... Um, the enemy is just so rampant in trying to cause the disconnection and, um, again, like you said, not fighting uh, shoulder to shoulder, but face to face. So, Tori, obviously, then you guys get married. So, right. you know, what? when did you first notice really that spiritual warfare, that those attacks that Satan is always going to wage against our marriage? Yeah, you know, it's it's so interesting because I grew up thinking and believing that conflict equals disconnection. Mm. Whenever there's mm. conflict, that means you're going to be disconnected from the person you're in conflict with. And so I learned very quickly in marriage that there was this propensity to withdraw and to move away from conflict when, honestly, conflict was the very thing that we needed to work through some things that could bring us together, that could actually connect us. It was like this great paradox that that it was going to bring disconnection when in reality, as we began to learn to fight the right way, it actually brought connection just because we began to learn about our propensities towards sin and our, um, you know, just we were, we were such sinful creatures and we were just moving towards these these conflicts continuously. And it, right off the bat, I mean, it was our honeymoon. We, we talk about it in the book. <laughs> but right off the bat, there was a major conflict. And we, even when we were writing the book, we can't even remember what the conflict was. Right. It, you know, sure, it was something really silly, but we were going head to head, and Jason got so mad that he, oh, no, I'm sorry, we, we, that one we did, we realized that it was, um, <laughs> it was, I had packed too much. He was upset that I packed too much. And <laughs> that, so I said, well, that never happens here. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I have a bad back simply because of what Aaron has packed over the years. In her oh, yeah. Well, you know, and nobody had educated me uh, as a young, brand newbie husband that the woman is always going to pack so much more. So we had this massive suitcase, and I've got this little backpack or something, and and I'm trying to pack it back up to get ready to go. And and I asked her why she brought so many clothes, and, and I forget exactly what she said. Tori's right. We can't exa- exactly remember how it all went. But I got so upset with what she said that I took the suitcase and threw it across the room like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Yeah, how did that it go? Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. so good. But what we what we learned is right. I mean, from the and of course we it took us years to learn this. But as we looked back at our conflicts, we it was the same pattern. It was the same thing over and over and yeah. over again. And I wish that we had known to really dig in deep 
to the first conflict. So mm-hmm. we could have maybe um, gotten some insight and in how to work through and how to work shoulder to shoulder instead of face to face. But it took years to get there. But in that situation, we now look back and we can see that there, Jason had this propensity to control everything, to control his vi- environment. It's because he loves um, he you so per- much. It's, just, it's all <laughs> yeah, about love, exactly. Tori, really. <laughs> it's the guy problem. The, the desire, <laughs> desire to control is the yeah. guy problem. And then for me, it was I would operate out of hopelessness because I would be mm-hmm. filled with guilt, and I didn't know how to hold that guilt onto that guilt because it was too heavy for me. And so my way of dealing with that guilt was to just operate out of the spirit of hopelessness. And it was, it always separated us. It always divided us and never brought us together until we began to see, okay, this is, this is our propensity. This is what we tend to do in conflict. Now let's start fighting the right way. What was, Tori, you talked about feeling guilty. Like what was that about for you? For me, it was, I think that I always just would assume that it was something I had done okay. and that I, I just felt guilty. Oh, I did. I packed too much. I was wrong. I did wrong. I, you know, I was bad. And I think that there was always this thing for me that I wanted to do everything right. And I wanted to be good. And I just had a real desire to, to get things right in life. And so whenever there was like a conflict, it was like this big, you know, this big stamp on my forehead failed, yeah. <laughs> failed again. Yeah. And I, so I would just start feeling guilty and I would just operate out of guilt. And it was this real hopeless way of, of living, really, because, you, you know, you can't please everybody. You can't be all things to all people. And so I began to um, have to release that to the Lord and, and to, to recognize that I was operating in that spirit. Mm, and so it sounds like you guys started recognizing that there was this well-worn pathway or um, a cycle yeah. that was going on amidst the conflict. Tell us just how did you guys begin to walk forward from that place? Well, this is where um, Tori and I really began to see about five or six years into marriage that, that how you see determines how you behave. And so that's why we wrote the book the way that we did. Our goal is to open people's eyes to the spiritual warfare that's taking place literally surrounding your marriage. Like Satan wants to get you so bad to fight face-to-face because he knows that God created you to fight shoulder-to-shoulder against him. And when you fight together like that, not only does it draw you together, but it defeats Satan at the exact same time. That's, That's the whole paradox of of why we call it beauty in battle, is that the beauty of marriage is discovered when couples choose to no longer fight against each other in a personal war, but alongside each other in a spiritual battle. And what a powerful reminder of just how easy it is to start seeing each other as the problem, as the enemy, as our adversary. hundred percent, hundred percent. And the enemy is right there to meet us and greet us and walk us down that pathway of, yeah, look, they don't care. Never going to change. This is always going to be like this. You're going to be stuck in this miserable marriage. And he just carries it out. And we begin believing those lies. And that's why I think part of what we can do to battle against the spiritual warfare is really giving our spouse the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. because there's been some powerful research done that talks about, you know, negative beliefs, Mm -hmm. you know, and you referenced this a little bit earlier, Aaron, to where you were talking about when we start to develop negative beliefs. Mm -hmm. So Satan is filling our mind constantly with, see, they don't love you. They don't appreciate you. They never will do this. This is always going to happen, whatever it Mm -hmm. is. 
then we start to then notice only the negative stuff. For sure. Yes. And and so if my beliefs about you are negative, like remember that night writing Mm -hmm. the book and Mm -hmm. you came in, what am I the maid? You know, I'm thinking, yeah, she doesn't appreciate me. Mm -hmm. Satan's, you know, feeding me these lines and she never will. See, she does this and that. And so then I would have instantly started to notice then other things that mm-hmm. you were doing or mm-hmm. what you can well, confirmation doing. bias, whatever right. we're looking for is what we'll find recently had a couple in my office and really challenged both of them because they're both believing these very negative things. Like she's not making any effort. She doesn't want our marriage. And, you know, he has just checked out and, and that's the spiritual warfare. I'm telling totally, you, it is totally. And, you know, they're on the verge of contemplating divorce, which the enemy loves that because it creates disunity. And that's what he wants. He wants division because he knows a house divided will fall. And just, again, recognizing, like Jason said in the interview, yeah, our spouse is never the enemy. And how can we fight together against the enemy? And giving each other the benefit of doubt doesn't mean you're allowing poor behavior or Mm -hmm. excusing, Mm -hmm. you know, harmful things that might be going on. It's, It's you're saying Here's what I think is going on. Like for me that mm-hmm. night, I had to go, although it feels like Aaron is not appreciating me at all, mm-hmm. maybe I'm missing something. Maybe yes. that's not right. Well, checking it out, asking exactly. questions and utilizing your voice to say, you know what, this is what I'm seeing. Is that what you're intending? And because it absolutely clarifying and bringing a bringing it into the light because the enemy wants you to remain in the darkness and to continue, you know, ruminating over these negative things because he knows eventually it'll impact your heart. Yeah. And and therefore we can battle against Satan's forces and against what he's trying to destroy, which is our unity and Mm -hmm. our oneness. He, He knows what our marriage is capable of. Yes. And he hates that. He fears it. And so he's going to do everything he can to fill our mind with all these negative thoughts about our spouse. And we need to battle against that. You know, if you'd like a copy of Jason and Tori's book, Beauty and Battle, Winning in Marriage by Waging a War, then we'd love to send you a copy for a gift of any amount. Yeah, for sure. Sounds like a great book. And so check the link in the show notes for all the details. Hi, I'm Bill with a word picture about spiritual warfare. The year was 1898. British Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson had been sent to Kenya, Africa to oversee construction of a railway bridge. But the work was delayed. Workers were fleeing the site. There were rumors that men were being dragged from their tents and killed. The remaining workers built large fires and heaped brush against their tents as protection. But night by night, more men disappeared. And day by day, more workers left the site. Patterson investigated the killings. 35 of his own men were dead. Nearby villages suffered similar attacks, and the unofficial death toll stood near 140. What's more, the workers and villagers knew the attackers. There were two killers. They called one the ghost, and the other the darkness. The killers were stealthy and operated under cover of night. The workers would never know they were marked for death until sharp claws pierced their skin. There seemed to be no defense against the two man-eating lions. So Patterson went on the offensive. He sent a call for help 
and then started hunting the ghost and the darkness. Lions attack in two ways. They either hunt as a pack, surround the prey, and then take it down, or they stalk their victim and pounce at just the right time. The lion then bats at the prey to knock it off balance. And once the prey is on the ground, it goes in for the kill. Patterson knew the lion's tactics. He was on his guard when on the trail, but even then, he became the hunted as one of the lions circled back and charged at him. Patterson barely escaped. He took down both lions, and the killing stopped. The bridge work resumed, and the ghost and the darkness became the stuff of legend, a warning that there are places you venture at your own risk. So be watchful, be on guard. What's good advice for the open savanna is also good advice for your spiritual life. Be sober-minded, 1 Peter 5.8 says. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Are you and your spouse on guard against the prowling lions in your life, your marriage? Well, you and your spouse have a very real enemy who seeks to destroy your relationship, to surprise you, to throw you off balance, and then go in for the kill when you're down. How do you guard against this roaring lion? Well, every day, you and your spouse should follow the instructions of Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Live in truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and let God's word guide and protect you. How you live that out, whether it's daily prayer, scripture reading, or Bible studies, is between you, your spouse, and God. But don't forget, you have an enemy. Your spouse has an enemy. He wants to devour you and destroy your marriage, but you don't face him alone. God fights for your marriage. Your job is to be watchful. Boy, that's a powerful reminder. I mean, First mm. Peter 5, 8, as Bill talked about, that we're supposed to be watchful, on guard, because Satan is on the prowl. He's like that lion who is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And yeah, for sure. We have to remember that he's trying to kill, steal, and destroy our unity and our oneness. And he has waged war, Satan has, against our unity. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of how we guard and protect our unity is by praying together. And that that can be a scary thing, right, for a lot of couples. Yeah, so powerful. And the research shows that most Christian couples aren't praying together. And it's something that is so accessible because all we have to do is do it. You know, make time, make the effort to come together in unity and seek God. And I think oftentimes couples believe that it is just this, it has to be this big elaborate event when really it could be as simple as grabbing your spouse's hand in the moment and saying, hey, what can I pray for you about? What's one thing that's on your mind? What's one thing that's stressing you? Or even recognizing amidst the battle that we can come together and take a stand against the enemy dividing us, whether that be through conflict or circumstances or children, (laughs) in-laws, whatever it is, that we can come together and face that battle together. Right. There's a vulnerability when we pray and authenticity because we're going before God and, you know, laying it out before God and 
it's an awesome privilege to to share that with your spouse. Well, and, and as I listen to you pray, I'm hearing about some of your big concerns. You know, mm-hmm. what what are you thinking and feeling? You know, what's important to you? What's what's creating concern in your life? And thus I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And and so not only are we being drawn together in deeper connection, our our unity's being strengthened, but I'm actually learning mm-hmm. about you. Mm-hmm. And that's really the power of prayer. And that's how we can battle back against that spiritual warfare that Satan's waging against our marriage. Well, we're going to move now to our weekly Q&A. I love this part of the show. This is where we answer your questions about marriage. Yeah, please send us your questions. This is how we can best connect with you. So go to our website, click the button on the side of the show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we will send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Jackson from Iowa. And he says, my wife and I are having trouble talking about our spiritual journeys with each other. She's been more open with me, but I'm really struggling to open up with her. What should I do? Yeah, that's hard. And I'm guessing that you are not alone, Jackson, because it's a common thing that one or both are having difficulty sharing what God is teaching them. What is God or how is God moving in their individual lives? And so what I would say, first and foremost, Jackson, to take a step back and to really just assess what is going on with me, where, where's the block, the block for me to really be open and vulnerable with my wife about this? What's getting stirred up inside of you as far as am I, are you feeling failed? Are you feeling not good enough? Are you feeling inadequate? Sometimes what I hear is that the wife seems to be more attuned to God and, you know, maybe she prays better or maybe she's in Bible study. Uh, Sometimes men will report that they're feeling inadequate in some way. Yeah, I was thinking about this question going, yeah, there's definitely times to where this sort of discussion, kind of what's God teaching us? How are Mm -hmm. we doing within our own spiritual relationships? That's a super intimidating question for me. And most of the time... How come? Yeah, because I would say that there the the moments where I don't feel close to the Lord and I'm recognizing because you've asked me now the question, hey, what's going on? Tell me about mm-hmm. what God's teaching mm-hmm. you that I'll think nothing because he feels so distant mm-hmm. to me or, you know, I really haven't been in the word lately. And, oh, yeah, I probably should be thinking about this. And so I, I probably for me, I, I feel failed. So mm-hmm. I want to be secretive. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to hide. Yeah. I don't want you to know. I hate the question. And, and actually I remember this was, you and I were on a date night and this mm-hmm. wasn't too long ago. Mm-hmm. And we have those little conversation starters. Uh-huh. So we'll, we'll go ahead and provide a link on the show notes just mm-hmm. for these conversation starters. Mm-hmm. Cause we use these and yes. one of them asks, you know, what's God been teaching you as of late? And I just remember feeling so irritated because I knew that I was failing. I knew I was really hadn't been in a good spiritual rhythm with God. And I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want that to be one more reason why I'm failing as a husband. Like yeah. the, all that was going on. So I was so irritated at you. <laughs> well, and I, didn't I had want no to talk idea about until it. right this moment. But, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've been, you know, in this extensive Bible study and right. a children's leader and on and on. So I'm sure for you, you're going... 
really? (laughs) Good for you. But I would never have known that you were feeling like that. And I wonder what would have happened had you even just shared that with me. Like, hey, I am feeling really failed right now. And we could have explored that together. Yeah. It's just, you you think back to Adam and Eve. Yeah. You know, there's such a powerful drive to hide. Mm Mm-hmm. When we're making mistakes or when something's going on, that it, it is hard to fight through that. And you're right. I mean, that could have been a very easy, hey, great question. And I have no answer because I really feel very distant from the Lord. Like I, I haven't been doing the kinds of things that I know yeah. will help improve that. Yeah. And I would I would not know that unless you offered that. And sometimes the other thing we might do is even disqualify ourselves like, oh, yeah, because I'm not spending time with God, I don't have a right to share or even to respond to this because somehow this differential comes into play that, you know, she's the more spiritual one and I'm down here and therefore I don't really have anything to to offer, which is totally the enemy um, leading you down that roadway. Yeah. and, And I know for me. I don't struggle all the time with this, but definitely this thought of, I have to be the spiritual leader. Mm. We actually talked about that last night in our marriage group. Yeah. Is what does that mean? And it's easy to feel failed there. Mm -hmm. And thus, I want to hide and probably abdicate Mm -hmm. then that to you. Well, Mm -hmm. Aaron's in Bible studies and, you know, Aaron will do it and she'll be fine. She's an adult. She'll be good. (laughs) Well, and and she can do it because she's capable or, you know, that's her area of strength versus, no, we have different roles within this marriage and biblical roles. And yes, you are the leader, but recognizing what are you doing as the leader versus what you're not doing. Yeah, Jackson... Just take a moment, try to figure out, yeah, what what's the block? Why am I not wanting to have that conversation? Just own that. Yeah. Well, thanks to Jackson for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have any questions for us, contact us. Go to the website, click the button on the side of the show page, leave us a voicemail, and we can't wait to hear from you. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We loved having this conversation and we hope that it helped you as you are working on your marriage. Yeah, be sure to like, to listen and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, we want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a strong marriage. You know, we also want you to grow spiritually, both as individuals and as a couple, because we want to ultimately empower you to help other couples around you, to invest in them, to help them have a strong marriage as well. Mm, Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you again next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. It's tough to be a step ahead. and full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.